Will you stand with us one more time for the reading of God's word today? This morning we are kicking off a brand new series titled, Not a Fan. Somebody say that this morning, Not a Fan. I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Those of you who follow along on version on your phones or iPads, you're welcome to check in now and follow along with us this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen this morning. Luke chapter 9, we're going to start off in verse 23. I'm just going to read two verses today, but I want to kind of give a little bit of an intro of what's going on right here. Um, Jesus has commissioned the 12 to go and reach the world. He's given them power to do so. And in this same chapter, Christ feeds the 5,000 with just a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. And so in all this text, all this exciting stuff that's going on, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, then he said to them all, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I have to put myself in his shoes or or the disciples' shoes or those who are listening in their shoes for a moment. You just witnessed a man use just a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of pieces of fish to feed. It was over 5,000 people because it talks about just the men, but there were women and children. You just witnessed this happening. And he says, if anyone wants to come with me, I wonder what they thought. Here this man just performed the impossible right before my eyes. And he's asking me or telling me, if you want to come with me, I must deny myself, take up my cross daily, and follow me. In verse 24, he says this, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Very challenging words from the man Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for the life that you came and lived and died and rose again so that we can be here today. And thank you for the example that you set before us. And thank you for speaking truth to our hearts. And God, thank you for leaving us with your powerful word and your promises. And God, we thank you today for our families, for our friends. We thank you for this awesome church that we are allowed to be a part of. And Lord, I ask that you help every single one of us to come to the realization that you're looking for more than just a fan, but you are looking for followers, people who will commit their lives to you and surrender their lives to you. God, surrender our wills for your wills, for your perfect will for our life. And Lord, over the next few moments, I ask that you would help me to speak truth and speak your word. And Lord, let us be open to your word and what you want to speak to our lives. And help us, God, to apply this to our hearts. And let us become followers, true followers of your son, Jesus. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. All right. We're going to be a little bit lively today, right? All right, all right. The title of today's message is Fan. Or follower. Are there any parents in the room? I always like to ask that because it never ceases to amaze me that some of you are still like, <laughs> thanks you for reminding me today. But have you ever had your kid want to do a lemonade stand? 
I mean, whose kid actually ends up going into the lemonade stand business, right? You've seen them before. Maybe uh, your child tried it one afternoon, but, you know, there are professional lemonade stands out there, so logic would dictate that some kid somewhere ended up going into the lemonade uh, stand business full-time. He or she wanted to try it out one hot summer afternoon and seeing some other kids in the neighborhood do it and try it out. Or maybe they saw one set up at a baseball game or a baseball park and thought, you know, I can make a little bit extra on top of my allowance. So, hey, Dad, can we do a lemonade stand? And so they try it out and they get their dad or their mom to help them set up this rickety little lemonade stand. And they hand paint a sign and it says, lemonade, 50 cents. Some of you are thinking, wow, that's a lot for a glass of lemonade. And after one successful day, let me push pause right here. I tried this because it was my kids in the back of the van one day when they saw another lemonade stand. They said, hey, Dad, can we do a lemonade stand? I'm going to raise money for you fill in the blank. And I said, sure. Have you ever had one of those moments happen where you think, man, this is going to be great. Dad is going to get with their kid. It's going to be a wonderful afternoon. And then it just hits the fan. And then you think, I must be the only parent with kids that are dysfunctional. Any parent ever had a moment like that? Nobody. Your kids are angels. I I forgot. I forgot where I was. (laughs) We get out there, and and Melissa's doing a yard sale. It's a picture-perfect Saturday, and here we are. We got our little table set up with our handmade signs, and the kids are all excited. It's like 9 or 9.30 in the morning. People are out. We're on the corner of the stop sign, and we have stands going. The kids are all excited for about 15 minutes, and in 15 minutes, they get one. I think it may have been two, and they thought, this is boring, Dad. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, now you got me out here this morning, and you were all excited about doing this lemonade stand. We're going to do this until we make some money, I'm telling you right now. And so they worked with me for about 10 more minutes. We hadn't even been out there half an hour. And the kids start doing this. I'm hot, Dad. I'm thirsty, Dad. Can I have some lemonade? Dad, this is dumb. Why are we doing this, Dad? Why are you making us do this, Dad? I'm thinking, I'm just saying, whose kids are you? I don't know you. You know, you always see in the videos these just angelic families, you know. Here's a glass of lemonade, ching, sparkle, and it's just a wonderful day. You're thinking, where is this supposed to be? And by the end of the, the, the time we had the lemonade stand, I'm mad. I've put one in timeout. I've spanked another one, and it's just... I've taken the money that's been given for the lemonade. I'm going to go buy myself a milkshake. (laughs) Maybe you had better luck. But back to our success story here. This kid tries it again. And these kids try it again and again. And and then they get invited to uh, bring their lemonade stand to a middle school baseball game. And they up their price to $2 a glass. And pretty soon they've they've gotten some invitations to bring their their lemonade stand to all kinds of events. They're getting really busy. They're taking their lemonade stand all over town. See, where was that when I was trying to teach my kids something? Uh, Sure, they're, they're making a really nice profit. But now things are starting to get a little bit busier. 
a lot more professional. And it's taking up more time than they expected. And they've gotten to make some uh, uh, special orders on lemons just to have lemonade stands. And they have to keep track of all their expenses on a spreadsheet. And what has started out as a little hobby has become a time-consuming commitment. And in that moment, they have to make a choice. Is this going to become a kind of career Are they going to hire a few employees to share the load? That's a serious lemonade stand. What will they choose? Some of you are thinking this morning, maybe I should go into the lemonade stand business. (laughs) Others are thinking, I wish that was my kid. I don't even think my kid knows what a spreadsheet is. But whatever you're thinking, you understand that moment. There's a moment when we all have to make a decision. Is this a hobby Or is this a career? Is this for fun or for something more? Am I trying this out or am I investing in it? You see, these kinds of moments aren't unique to the business world. But really, but over the next several weeks, I want us all to examine our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I get the fact that for some of you, this is kind of a first date and you're not exactly sure what to make of any of this. You can just kind of sit and listen, but... Maybe you're not ready for this talk yet, but I think for the most of us in this room, we need to have a DTR talk with Jesus. We need to define the relationship and find out where we stand with Jesus Christ. Are you a fan or are you a follower? You see, looking at Christ's invitation We're analyzing this morning a verse that clearly lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Luke 9, 23, he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I think many of you welcome this DTR talk because you are ready to move to a different level of commitment. You're ready to move past the casual and past the convenient into something more devoted, something more committed. Some of you, you're ready for this talk. Some of you are not, because you kind of like the setup that you have with Jesus. I mean, he's a nice guy, and you like to go to church, and it gives you something to do on the weekend, and it's awfully nice that you can sip a latte out the coffee bar while we're here. It's cool to wear your t-shirt, your Avenue t-shirt, and it's cool to carry your Bible, and you kind of like what you have going, and this this idea of being more committed, the idea of taking it to a different level, you get a little anxious. Maybe you even go into the fight or flight response, but what we want to do this morning is to define the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Where do you stand with Jesus? And here, here's how I'd like to do that this morning. I'd like to ask this question. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Now, some of you are wondering why I'd ask a question like that because we're all followers of Jesus. Right? That's why we're here. Don't, don't jump to answer that question too quickly. Hear, hear me out. The word fan is described as an enthusiastic admirer. We're all fans of different things, right? Many of us are sports fans. Most of bring those jerseys up here. We watch the games. We cheer on the team. And some of us own the jerseys of our favorite players. Yeah, just be very careful with those. You can, you can do it to that one. I don't really. 
<laughs> we understand the concept of being fans. See, I may have to dismiss now. We understand the concept of being fans of sports. <laughs> we understand that. Now, I need, I need some help of someone who thinks they are the most enthusiastic sport fan here. It's, it's, oh, okay. Okay. There's, let's have a rival here. All right, which one of the no men want to take on my father? I need some help this morning. He's, is he going to step up to the plate? All right, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to let the crowd decide. See, this is over before we even start. We're just going to pretend for a moment that you're at a football game together on a neutral field. You obviously are an Auburn fan. <laughs> You obviously are a Tennessee fan, and you obviously are an Auburn fan. Now, I'm going to give each of you a moment to show us your best celebration touchdown. <laughs> we'll let the host team go first. You want to do one? <laughs> okay, Auburn, Auburn just beat Tennessee. <laughs> what would be your reaction, sir, if Auburn just won the game? <laughs> All right. All right, if you think this man right here won, will you please give him a hand clap? If you think this young man here won, will you give him a hand clap? <laughs> well, I am, I am also a fan of some sports. Adam, come back up here, buddy. I need you to put this on. <laughs> the sacred robe. How big of a fan are you? Are you so big of a fan that you would not put this on? Are you, a, are you a true fan? <laughs> okay. But see, I, ha I have some jerseys here. Any sports fans in the house today? We got some sports fans. It's crazy about being a fan of sports because this is my game day jersey. And for whatever reason, as a fan, I think that I'm helping a team out <laughs> if I wear this jersey. Am I right? It's only crazy if it doesn't work. <laughs> there have been times, I'm being honest with you, I'm not crazy. I'm just an exuberant <laughs> admirer and fan of sports. There have been times that it has crossed my mind, Adam. If Auburn's losing and I don't have this on, I think to myself, it's my fault. I don't have on the jersey. So what do I obviously and naturally do? I go put the jersey on. And I sit in the magical chair. And I make sure that I'm doing the right thing to help the team that is through the television miles and miles and miles away win their game. Am I right? 
You don't look at me like I'm crazy because over half of you do the same thing. If something worked the first time, you're going to do it again. <laughs> it's kind of like when I was in sports growing up. If, if we won, and, and Cumbo, you can recognize this. If we had a good game on something, and I had on like a certain pair of socks, I made sure that I wore those same pair of socks, and I had on the wristband exactly where I had it last time, and I make sure that I do. You know what? I even go so far as getting the same food that I had before that meal. If I had a really good game, I make sure my day is almost identical to the day it was when I had a good game. I'm not crazy. I'm just real. Thank you, Adam. But we have, we have some fans today. I got, I'm also a basketball fan. I, I like LeBron James. I think he's pretty good. However, I could not fit this jersey properly because he's a big man. And he could dunk on me at any time. But I'm a big fan. But I'll tell you what, someone who's got him be, will always be this man right here. That's it right there. See, I should have wore this today. This matches my shoes. I'm telling you what. It's been a good day. But, you know, we know what it's like to be an exuberant uh, a sports fan. My concern, let me flip this back here. My, my concern is that our church has the potential to very easily become a stadium full of fans of Jesus. But Jesus never cared about having fans. If you define a fan as an enthusiastic admirer, then fans were not important to him. See, I think we have a tendency to come together once a week and be fans of Jesus. Now, can I say it like it is today? Nobody's going to throw any stones at me, right? We had the tendency to come together once a week and be fans of this Jesus. We sit down in our seats we open up our Bibles, we applaud at certain times, and we leave somehow thinking that as the fans, it was all done for us. We get in the car and we evaluate the sermon, and we kind of give the service a, a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. We, we give the song selection a thumbs up or, ah, I didn't really like that one. And we come back and we do it again the next week. And I get the fact that a lot of us are really big fans, I mean, you're really into all of this. You know all the songs, and you don't need the page numbers of the Bible. You know where to turn, and you're pretty fast, too. And you kind of look around to see how much faster than you are than everybody else, making sure that you can get there faster than everybody else. And when you do so, you're thinking, I'm a real Christian. <laughs> you're big fans of Jesus, and being a fan feels pretty good. We can feel pretty good about ourselves because we are these great admirers of Jesus Christ. But he never cared about having fans. So if we'll be honest with ourselves today, if we'll search our hearts and begin to define the relationship with Jesus, there's three questions for you to answer today. The first one is this. Number one, if you're taking notes, why are you here? Why are you here? If you read through the Gospels, Jesus at different points in his ministry would draw a line in the sand and he would separate the fans from the followers. One such instance is found in John chapter 6. Jesus is in the height of his ministry and we read that large crowds were following Jesus. He was very popular. He was working miracles. He was providing food from just five loaves of bread and a few fish. And a lot of people were in the crowd following Jesus. But Jesus, in verse 2, realizes why they were coming. And in verse 2, it says this. 
huge crowds were coming and following Jesus because of the miracles. The main reason the crowds were showing up was because of the spectacle. Many didn't care about the teaching or or about the life-changing lesson. They were there for the show. So why are you here? What is your because? Is it because you like the free food? Is it because you like the the seats and maybe they're comfortable to you? Or you really like the music? Is it because you like the chit-chat and your kids can make friends easier than at school here? Is it because you get to hear the most amazing pastor preach the most amazing sermon you've ever heard in your life? Some of you need to pray for forgiveness. Is it because you get to hear the most incredible worship team play music? Is it because we are the most exciting church in Morristown? Is that why you're here? I mean, that's great for a while. But at some point, we've got to define the relationship. Why are you here? In that passage, Jesus challenges the fans to a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. And in verse 66, this is what, is, what he says. This is what is read. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. A lot of them went home because Jesus says, let's define what we've got here. And what he offered isn't what they wanted. Can I, can I preach this morning like I really want to today? You see, everything is awesome until someone says something to keep you accountable and you don't like it. The pastor says something that stretches you, challenges you, and confronts your lifestyle, and then you want to come up with the excuses to defend your sin. Jesus was never interested in having fans. When he defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer is not an option. Many churches in America, listen, have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week, all the fans come to the stadium where they can cheer for Jesus but have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Jesus. They want to be close enough to Jesus. Hear me out. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits but not so close that it requires anything from them. You're not hearing me this morning, I don't think. Jesus is is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. You see, it's easy to be a fan because you can turn your back at any point. But a follower will be committed through the thick and the thin. A follower will be committed through hell or high water. A follower will be committed through the good and the bad when it's easy and when it's hard. When it's popular and when it's not politically correct. Then he said to all of them, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Listen, I say this with all sincerity. Just don't be offended if it hits you right in the throat today. It may be time for some people just to go home like in the days of Jesus because you've come for a while and you understand the things and yet you're coming to just because of the miracles. You're coming more for the show, more for what Jesus can do for you. But Jesus wants there to be a point where we define The relationship. Why are you here? Because what? For Jesus, his because is that he wants to have a deep relationship with you. 
He loves you more than any of us could ever imagine. He gave his life for you. So he's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. So why are you here? Secondly, I want to ask you this question. The second question we need to ask ourselves is, are you all in? Are you all in? You see, being a follower of Jesus requires complete commitment. A follower of Jesus will do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. They're absolutely loyal and completely committed. You see, on the whole, we don't do too well with absolute commitment, do we? I think that we prefer selective commitment. Simply put, we customize Christianity. Oftentimes we look at our relationship with Jesus and say, well, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose the areas that I want to follow him in. So you say, well, I'll follow Jesus, but don't ask me to forgive the person that hurt me. I'm not going to let go of that resentment. I'm not going to let go of that bitterness because I deserve that. And I'll follow Jesus, but don't talk to me about my money. I'll work hard for that money. And I'll follow Jesus, but don't tell me to abstain from these sexual desires i can't help the fact that i have these desires don't ask me to abstain i'll be a follower of jesus but that won't stop me from getting what i want i'm a follower of jesus but don't ask me to stop drinking i'm a follower of jesus but don't ask me to stop cussing i'm a follower of jesus but don't ask me to stop lying cheating gossiping you see it's too much fun to sit around and talk about a situation or a person behind their back and fix their problems without them even knowing about it I so much enjoy being a two-faced liar behind someone else's back and then pretending to love them in person. I just love destroying their character to someone else, all the while telling them that I'm praying for them to their face. But I'll be a follower of Jesus. So it's this customized Christianity that says, well, I'll follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable to me, only in the areas that I agree with. I'm a Christian, I'm just not all in. This kind of thinking is opposite of the gospel. So let me just say right here, honey, you must be mistaken and you must have lost your mind. Then you're not a follower of Jesus, you're just a fan. Is this tough this morning? There's not an option for selective commitment. When you commit to something, you can't say, I'll commit to 75% of that, but the 25% I won't. Either you're all in or you're not in at all. It's not, a, it's not a possibility. There's no bargaining. There's no bartering. There's no finagling. When you decide to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to go all in. And fans, they don't like the idea of going all in. They're not wild about having to make sacrifices or about having to deny themselves of something they desire or crave but if you've answered why you're here then it will be pretty easy to figure out if you're all in if you weren't here for the right reasons chances are you won't be willing to go all in so in defining our relationship with Jesus we've asked why are you here We've asked, are you all in? And thirdly today, have you made it your own? You see, many of us started going to church because of a parent. Mom made you. Dad said you had to. 
there wasn't an option. That's like it was in my house. I could remember one morning on Sunday, I think I had a game on Saturday, and I was just tired. I mean, I was a teenager. I had business to take care of. I had so much responsibility as a teenager. I was exhausted. I made sure that I slept in on Saturdays and ate whenever I wanted. I mean, I had important things to do. I had friends to hang out with. I had ball games to play. I had priorities. I was a busy young man. I was tired. It's important. I was at the prime of my life, but I'm tired. I deserve a day of rest. So I remember my dad upstairs, and on Sundays, he would always make muffins. He was upstairs at the kitchen table. He had his leg crossed reading the Sunday paper. Muffins smelled good. He was drinking some coffee. But I was tired. I said, hey, Dad, I'm just tired today. I don't think I'm going to go to church today. He kind of just looked up at me. He kind of just, <laughs> he said, that's cool. I didn't ask you. He said, I'll get your butt ready. <laughs> and I went, man. <laughs> I thought for a second he'd actually care what I had to say. Or maybe you started coming because of a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse. You come because they like it when you come. You come because it appeases them. For those of us who grew up in the church or who attend church in order to appease a significant other or relative, it can be really easy to become a fan. It's like riding in a car with someone who listens to a type of music that you're impartial to. They drive you to school every day or maybe you, you carpool with a coworker and you hear things on the radio and it's, it's their style of music that they like and it's a Justin Bieber song. And you hear a song like, if I were your boyfriend, uh, never let you go. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you're thinking, you know, I, you know hear, hear me out, church. I don't really care for Justin Bieber. Um, here's, here's the problem with this picture. If you're a 30 or 40 year old grown adult and the person you're riding to work with is rocking to some Bieber, that's a different problem in itself. <laughs> no, I don't sit at home and just walk around the house to Melissa going, if I were your boyfriend. <laughs> you see, I don't hate Justin Bieber. I don't really like him. He's in a lot of trouble right now, so I know he needs Jesus. But eventually what will happen if you're in this car with this person for many days and you're hearing their music over and over again, a few songs are going to grow on you a little. And you're going to find yourself in the class. You're going to find yourself at your cubicle at work. And you're going to be singing songs like, baby, baby, baby. And people are going to be going, you all right? So... You might find yourself becoming a little bit of a fan of Justin Bieber. It's okay. But this can happen to us in church. We keep coming to appease someone else, and pretty soon we get into the flow of things. We know most of the songs, and we even recognize the stories or the teachings, and we're kind of fans of this Jesus. But that can be the most dangerous situation to be in. If your faith isn't your own, if you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus and you keep coming week after week and be begin to create a faith that was someone else's to begin with, you're just numbing yourself to the real thing. You'll become numb to the real faith, comfortable with a few songs, comfortable with a favorite verse, none of which requires any sacrifice or real change. At some point, you've got to make your faith your own. 
Jesus isn't looking for a relationship between you, your mom, and him. He's not looking for a relationship between you, your wife, and him. He's looking for a relationship with you. That may be one of the reasons that Jesus said these words in Luke 14. When he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Church, hear me. Your love for Jesus Christ should be so great, so evident, that it makes the love you have for someone else look like hate. This is not about your mom and dad. This is about you and Jesus. So begin to search your heart, church, these next few weeks and ask yourself, are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a fan? Those who aren't following Jesus aren't his followers. It's that simple. Followers follow. And those who don't follow aren't followers. I want to tell you a story. It's a true story in John chapter 3 about a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was considered a godly man. He was part of the Sanhedrin, a part of the elect group of people. And he was interested in this Jesus. He was moved by this man's miracles. He was moved not only by his miracles, but also by his compassion and the love that Jesus showed for people. And so the Bible says that Nicodemus... One point, it says, at night, came to Jesus and talked to Jesus about this whole Savior of the world thing, about who he really was. And that part, at night, sticks out to us, sticks out to me the most. You see, because at night, no one would see him. At night, he would avoid awkward questions from the other religious leaders. At night, he could spend time with Jesus without anyone knowing because if people found out about it, he'd be kicked out of this group. He would no longer be allowed to be a part of this, this fellowship in this group because he had an interest in someone else named Jesus. If he could speak with Jesus at night when no one else was around, maybe he could begin a relationship with Jesus without having to make any real changes in his life. He could follow Jesus without impacting his job. In fact, his friends and family wouldn't even have to know. He could talk to Jesus at night and quietly make a decision in his heart to believe in Jesus. That way it would not disrupt his comfortable and established life. That sounds like a lot of fans that I know. What I'm trying to tell you, church, this morning is this. Fans are happy to follow Jesus as long as that it doesn't require any significant changes or have negative implications on their life. Here is the reality that Nicodemus is about to have impressed on him. There is no way to follow Jesus without him interfering in your life. Following Jesus will cost you something. Following Jesus will always cost you something. Are you a fan or are you a follower?